It's good to see some new uh, faces here since uh, we were here last, and uh, I'm always glad to uh, see uh, folks that are uh, faithful, but it's good to see new folks too, and uh, good to have you here. My name is Brother Scott Netterville. You probably can't tell it, but I'm from down south, amen, and y'all say amen right there now. That's a, that's a good place to be from, down south, and, and so uh, uh, we were here back in uh, July, and it's been uh, three weeks here with you folks and uh, working and uh, just uh, out winning souls with Brother Tommy and trying to be an encouragement to the church here. And thankful we have opportunity to be back this morning. You be praying for your pastor. I was telling him in Sunday school this morning, truth is, we need revival in America desperately. Might as well just be honest about it. And any time that a church has opportunity to have an extended meeting, and to draw closer to the Lord, we really ought to be praying for them and that church and that preacher. Pray for the uh, uh, preacher, Brother Tommy, that uh, God is giving help as he preaches, filling with the Holy Spirit. But then also pray for the folks that's uh, listening so that uh, uh, the Holy Spirit of God, their, their heart will be tender and open to what God's trying to say to them. Amen. All right, take your Bibles, if you would. Psalms chapter number 132 this morning. Psalms 132. Now that song, Brother T.C., sounded more like it came from down south than it did up north. I like that. Heaven's getting sweeter all the time. Man, I don't know about you, but I look forward to the day we step on that other side. Amen? Whether it's Now, I, I'm... I remember my pastor used to say this, I'm not looking for the undertaker, I'm looking for the upper taker. Amen? So uh, I'm not looking to die, but if that's the way the Lord wants to take me to heaven, I'll be alright with that. But I I am looking for that trumpet to sound. Amen? And for us to be caught up out of here. And I, I can't wait for uh, the day that the Lord sounds that trumpet and we can step on the other side. Psalms 132. Let's stand in honor of reading God's Word this morning. We'll read the first five verses. Psalms 132, the first five verses. If you have that, say amen, wave at me, do something, let me know you're there. Alright? Everybody got it? Alright, if you have a Bible, it'll say this. Lord, remember David and all his afflictions. How he swore unto the Lord and vowed unto the mighty God of Jacob. And this is what he swears. Surely I will come into the tabernacle of my house. Uh, excuse me. Surely I will not come into the tabernacle of my house, nor go up into my bed. I will not give sleep to mine eyes, or slumber to my mine eyelids, until I find out a place for the Lord, an habitation for the mighty God of Jacob. And let's pray. Father, please, I need you this morning. God, I, I pray that you'd come and meet with us. Lord, I cannot see the hearts of the folks here this morning, but you can. And Lord, you know what's needed. This is a message you laid upon my heart. God, I pray that you would help me as I preach, that Lord, you'd give me clarity of thought and mind, that you'd direct me in my speech. Lord, that God, you'd give us hearing ears this morning, both myself and and the folks. God, you'd give us ears to hear and a heart to understand. And Lord, 
we'd be tender toward the message this morning. God, I pray that if there's someone here that's not saved, that today would be the day that they'd trust the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. God, use the message for your will. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And you can be seated. This morning as we look here in Psalms 132, we see this is is David. says, Lord, remember David in all his afflictions. And I, I want us to just by way of introduction see a few things here first in the first five verses. And what David is, what his heart is, and what he's trying to say to God is, is he's talking to him and asking him to remember him. Listen, I first can I say this? I, I want you to see David's cry unto God. He said, "Lord, remember David and all his afflictions." I don't know about you, but uh, there's a lot of times in life, and I've gone through some afflictions, things in life, I, and I'm sure. It's true with everybody. Folks, you, y'all know I'm not going to stay up there, so just hang on. Amen. <laughs> Every one of us have trials in life, have things that we go through. I was saying here in Sunday school, man, there are folks out in this world, they're hurting. They are, and they're, they need some help. And David's the same way. You and I are the same way. And, and thank God, man, don't you thank God we have a God that, that first... Here's prayer. Amen. Amen. I mean, a God that we can go to. He's not just some uh, statue or some idol, but He's a real God. Amen. And, and I think sometimes, folks, we kind of, because we don't see Him with our eyes, we, we almost get to thinking somehow He's not real. And, and we almost treat God like that sometimes. And I don't think we mean to, but I, I think we just kind of, I, I don't know, we. we we just kind of get off in a, an area where we where, where things are just cold spiritually, and we're indifferent towards God spiritually. When the truth is, He's alive and well, and, and, and He's with us this morning. He promised that He'd do that, and, and we don't have to wonder whether God's here this morning. He promised it already. Amen. He said, "Man, two or three are gathered together in My name. There I'll be in the midst of them." Amen. We got more than that, amen. So we know He's here with us. He promised it. But thank God, we not only have a God that hears prayer, but cares about the afflictions of our life. Remember over there, First Peter five seven, it says this: casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. And thank God, we have a God that cares what's going on in our life. I, y'all, y'all know this, the truth you've been saved any time at all. First, if you're not going through some kind of trial right now, just hang on a little bit. You'll be going through some kind of trial just a little while. And sometimes they, they hurt. Sometimes it's not easy. I, I remember when we were back here in July, you was not looking forward to your son leaving to go back to college. Now, I sit here and talk with them this morning. They're talking about how he's out there and he's talking more. He, he, he's 
I mean, you'd be scared. You'd say, he can go out to eat and stuff. Just didn't like to do it. Now he's out talking to folks about the Lord. Don't you rejoice now that, man, though then you were in a trial of affliction, said, I'm out. My little baby, he's leaving. My boy's leaving. <laughs> now you're glad he's gone. God heard. And he cared. Amen. And we've got a God like that, that no matter what the trial is, no matter what the affliction is that you and I go through, God cares about what we're going through. Whether it's just the smallest thing, He cares. Whether it's just, maybe it's just sometimes just, just some little school problem. To us adults, that school problem may seem like something small, but those kids, it's not small. God cares about us. And hey, He cares whether we get our bills paid or not. I don't know about you, but I find that sometimes I got more month than I got money. <laughs> it don't work out real good like that. God cares about that. And He cares about the, the, the situations of life, the, the relationships we have in life. We were talking about it earlier in Sunday school again. The, the thing, man, divorce has probably touched every family in America nowadays. The heartache of it, the trial of it. Hey, if this, not, not trying to condemn that. I, I'm just saying, listen, God cares about every one of the relationships that are involved in that. Whether it's the, the husband and wife that's going through it, or it's the kids that are affected by it, or the grandkids, or the aunts and uncles. God cares about what's going on there. And sometimes we, let's, let's be honest, we, we get selfish, don't we? We think about, man, it, 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 you don't know how I feel. I'm telling you, I may not, but we got a godly cut. Amen. Thank God David could say, Lord, remember David. And every once in a while we ought to do that. Just say, Lord, remember Scott and my afflictions. He says how he swear unto the Lord and he vowed unto the mighty God of Jacob. I want us first again to see David's cry unto God to remember him. Secondly, I want us to see this, David's vow. To God. Look, look in verse 2 through verse, the first part of verse 5. This, this is what David's vow is. He says, Surely I will not come into the tabernacle of my house, nor go up into my bed. I will not give sleep to mine eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find out a place for the Lord and habitation for the mighty God of Jacob. He said, Look, I, I, I'm not going to, not even going to go to my own house. Not, not going to lay down and rest or sleep until I find a habitation for God, a, a place and a residence, if you will, for God. So we, we see his vow, but I, I want us to realize the importance that David places on that vow and that habitation for God. I, I mean, really, he just, David said, look, it, it boils down to this. I will not comfort myself. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to rest. And literally, he he denies himself. 
until he finds a place for God. I mean, really, he does this. He sacrifices by putting God first. He says, I, uh, 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 until I find a place for God, I'm not sleeping. I'm not, I'm not even going over to the house. He said, it's about God first, not me. I just want to take the thought of the vow this morning and just kind of look at that for a little bit. How that David made this vow to God. He said, I, I, I'm not... I, in fact, no, notice the wording again. Look in verse 3. He says, Surely I will not. Again, in verse 4, he says the same thing. starts off, I will not not go to my own house not going to go down there while there's not a place for God I'm not even going to lay down and sleep not going to give my own eyes rest I want us to realize the importance that David is placing on God. He said, look, God, I, I need you to remember me and my afflictions. We're, we're like that. Amen? Aren't we, we? We go through the trials. We go through the hardships of life, the hurts of life, the afflictions of life. We say, God, remember me. God, I, I need your help. God, this is what's going on in my life. But then we kind of put him to the side and it's all about me. Amen or not? That's what we kind of do. God, remember me and it's, God, it's about me. Forget them, but it's me. But David said, hold on. Though I need you to hear me and remember me, it's about you. Your place. Your habitation. God, I'm willing to sacrifice self for your place. And I want us to just kind of think on this for a little bit this morning. On what is the habitation as it applies to us? What's that Place. What's, what is this habitation when it comes to us? David is looking for a tabernacle for God. In fact, if you look, let's read on verse 6. He says, Lo, we heard of it at Ephratah. We found it in the fields of the wood. We will go into his tabernacles. We will worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, into thy rest, thou in the ark of thy rest. We know he's, he's talking about a place for God to David was this. He's looking for a tabernacle where it's God's place, God's dwell. Listen, remember back in the Old Testament, God didn't dwell within men through the Holy Spirit. He dwelt in a place 
It was the tabernacle. Remember, remember when they uh, got the the uh, tabernacle built first. It, it was uh, just a tent, if you will. When they got that tent built there in Moses' day, man, the Holy Spirit of God—we call it this—the Shekinah glory of God—came down, and you could see that that tabernacle was filled with the Holy Spirit of God and with God's presence through the smoke and, and, and the glory that was upon that tabernacle. And, and David was looking for a place for God, a habitation for God, in a tabernacle. Now today, thank God, that God dwells within us. Amen? Amen. It's not a place where He dwells anymore. It's a people that He dwells in. We're going to look at that in a second. But David's looking for a place. And so... How does that apply to us today? What is it? What's the residence, or if you will, what is the habitation that God wants today when it comes to New Testament Christians and us? Well, let's let's look, if you would, turn over to Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. Chapter 2. I'll say first that habitation is within us, a habitation of salvation. Look, if you will, Ephesians, well, first, look, look in uh, uh, chapter 3 and verse 17, Ephesians three seventeen. It says that Christ may dwell where? In your hearts by faith. I think sometimes we say that just kind of flippantly. Just kind of off the cuff. That Christ dwells within our hearts by faith. You know, and we just, we, we just kind of say that and we don't really think He's dwelling within us. Well, wait a minute. That's exactly where He dwells. In fact, the, the Bible says this in Ephesians. It says, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own? Hey, folks, let's let's realize today first that place of habitation for us is this. It's within. Through salvation. Hey, God wants to dwell with us within. This morning, if you don't know Christ as Savior, can I say... He doesn't dwell within you. He's still without. For the New Testament Christian, oh, listen, the moment that you and I get saved, God moves within. Thank God. I don't, I don't know about you, but that's exciting to me. Now, it's scary too. I have to be honest. Because I do some things and say some things, act some ways that I hadn't all. And God's right there. And I need to understand He wants to dwell within every one of us. Let's, let's go on and look. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Let's start there. It says this, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens. He's talking now to the saved. Amen? 
He's talking to the saint. He said, you're no more strangers. Uh, you're not some foreigner. You're not a far off. But you're a fellow citizen, he says, with the saints and of the household of God. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together. Look at this. For an habitation of God through the Spirit. Man, I don't know about you, but that's an exciting thought. God dwells within us. That's where He wants to dwell. He, he wants to, man, the very moment again that you and I trust Christ as Savior, He wants to come in and make our bodies His habitation. He wants to dwell. I, I don't know about you, but I, I, as I was growing up, I know it's hard to believe now, I was always the little skinny, scrawny runt of a kid. I, I know it's hard to imagine, but that's a, I mean, that's the truth. I remember I, I, I played football in, in the junior high. And, and uh, I remember the, one of the last games I played in. I don't, it, it does not even make sense to me. But the, the coach had me as a defensive lineman. I'm a little... I, now, listen, I'll tell myself. When I was in, went into sixth grade, you know, they do these... Uh, 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 I don't know. They, they, they want to see where you are physically. So they, they, you know, you go over and you do so many push-ups and... And, and see how many chin-ups you can do, and then you pick up the barbell, you know. And, and, and when I went to pick up the barbell, they had just five pounds on each end of it. The bar itself weighed 15, had five pounds on each end. That's not but 25 pounds. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. They had to take the five pounds off each end for me to be able to pick that stupid thing up. <laughs> Talk about embarrassing. I mean, I, I was out. Everybody always picked on me. You know, they talk about all the bullying and stuff nowadays. I say, oh, I, I went through that stuff all the time. I turned out all right. Listen, I was a little scrawny guy. I'm playing on the defensive line. You think that's fucking big guy, you know, fat. And I, I had a, I remember running out onto the field. I'm holding my pants like this, not like the guys today, you know, they, they hold their pants like that because they, they, well, never mind. But I did. I was holding my football pants. I'm running out there on the field trying to hold my pants up because I'm not big enough. They didn't have pants small enough for me. And I'm out there. I have to get down so I hold my pants up. And I, I better not move fast because they're coming down. It's embarrassing. Now, listen. Listen. What I'm trying to get across is this. Man, when they went to pick teams and stuff, you, was you ever the last one that they picked? Huh? Made you feel pretty bad, didn't it? I mean, who wants to be the last guy saying that? And then they argue over who's going to actually take it. I don't want him, y'all. Y'all can have him. Y'all go ahead. Y'all go ahead. I know y'all have another one more player than us, but it's all right. Y'all take him, you know. He'll be the best guy on our team from your side, you know. I, I'm telling you, that's really how it was as I was growing up. But thank God, I got a God that wants me. He wants to dwell within me. Hey, if you don't know Him today, I'm telling you, He's a great God. 
I remember there in John chapter 15, I believe it is, verse 16. He said this, Ye have not chosen me, but I've chosen you. He wants me. And I say this morning, you listen to me, God wants you. And He wants to habitate within you. That's His place this morning. He wants to come in and dwell with us as individuals. I don't know that I get that. I'm not not anybody or anything. I stop and think about that and I think, Lord, why would you want to make residence within me? Thank God I've got a God that loves me. Thank God we have a God that loves us. Who wants to dwell. Wants to make His habitation in my heart. He wants to come. He said, I'm building together for a habitation of God. I don't know about you, but I I find that pretty exciting this morning. That God wants to make a habitation within me. But can I say there's a, a, a another... Well, let me, let me not run too far. The habitation within a salvation. Uh, look at it again in, in verse 6 there. Psalms 132. And verse 6, this is what he says, Lo, we heard of it at Ephratah. Who can remember what happened there at Ephratah? Anybody remember? What? I see your hand. Go ahead, buddy. Well, that's not what I'm looking for. Anybody remember... Where it is? Well, turn to Micah. Y'all know where the book of Micah is? You know, there's the major prophets, the minor prophets, and the hidden prophets. Amen? I think Micah is one of them hidden ones that's hard to find. Amen? Micah uh, chapter 5 and verse 2. Listen to this. Y'all get it real quick. But thou, Bethlehem Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel. Hey, it's over yonder in Bethlehem, Ephratah, where Jesus is born. He, he says here in Psalms 132, Lo, we heard of it yonder at Ephratah. He not only said that, he said this, look in the end. We found it in the fields of the woods. He said in verse 7, we will go and we will worship. I think what again, what we can see there is this. His habitation is found yonder at Ephratah. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, our salvation, He can make His habitation. He said, we heard of it, yonder. And He said this, we, we found it, yonder. We're gonna, we're gonna go and it's there. We will worship. It's His habitation within of salvation. Look, if you will, secondly at this, this morning. What's this habitation? 
It's the habitation of righteousness. Hey, listen. I don't think it's preached as much as it ought to be. Maybe in Baptist churches it is, but I think even in, uh, amongst Baptists it's getting to where it's not preached. But you listen to me. When we get saved, something ought to change. Amen. We ought to be different. Look, if you will, Psalms 132 and... I'm going to start reading there in verse 8. Arise, O Lord, into thy rest, thou and the ark of thy strength. Let thy priest be clothed with righteousness. Hey, when he moves in, you're his tabernacle and you're his priest. The Bible says that now we're to be clothed with righteousness. Hey, it's a habitation, if you will, of righteousness. Within by salvation, the habitations within. But now he said, look, look. Before salvation, we have no righteousness. But the moment we get saved, he said, now we're to be clothed with righteousness. Hey, first, we have His righteousness. Hey, positionally this morning, understand that when God looks at you and I, He sees this. He sees the righteousness of Christ. Though you and I are wicked and ungodly, though we wear this old flesh, hey, when the Father looks, Thank God He doesn't see us. Amen? Amen. Thank God. That, hey, that's why salvation, it's not dependent upon us at all. We, we can't do anything to get salvation. It's all of Christ. All we do, it's like a Christmas present, if you will. Man, you come out there Christmas morning, there's the tree standing there, got presents all up under it, one of them's got named Scott on it. All I have to do is just accept that gift. Sorry, bought and paid for it. Hey, wouldn't it be kind of silly? My parents give me that gift, and I look and say, Man, that's great. Thanks, Mom and Dad. But I'll tell you what, I'm going to run back down to Walmart and pay for that. They say, Wait, we, we already paid for it. It's yours. Yeah, I, and I appreciate it, but I'm going to run back down to Walmart, and uh, I think I, you know, I, I'll just uh, give them some money there for that. That's you and I trying to work our way to heaven. Uh, how foolish. Jesus already paid the price. We don't have to go back down to the cross and pay anything. It's bought and paid for. And now, He said, I want you to have my righteousness. And He gives that to us positionally. When God sees us, He sees the righteousness of Christ. But, the world doesn't see that. They don't. You, you, you try all you want, but you can't take your spiritual heart out and show it to anybody. But you can be clothed with righteousness. And they can see it. Hey, listen. You know, the only evidence of an inward justification is an outward sanctification. In other words, hey, the only way they can tell we're saved is by how we live. How we act. 
He said, here, hey, the priests that are in this habitation, these priests are being clothed with righteousness. Hey, folks, I'm telling you, when you and I get saved, our lives to change. Let's be honest today, we've got preachers all over the place that are telling us, man, you get saved, you got to stay how you are. Man, you, you were in the bar singing, singing honky-tonk music. You can just, you get saved, come to church on Sunday, you sing a honky-tonk on Saturday night. And I say to that, uh, spiritually, hogwash. And I, I, I tell you, preacher, I just—I I don't understand why I got to quit my cussing and my smoking. And what? Well, why should I give up my lotto? I mean, it's just for entertainment. Huh? How about because we're stewards of all that God gives us to be faithful with those things? Hey, Christian, got got no business. Living an ungodly lifestyle, playing the scratch off, or still drinking the old alcohol of the world. Got, got no business. Take the gossip. Say amen right there. Huh? Might as well say amen or owe me one. I mean, uh, they want bad attitudes. A lot of times we, we preach about those things, uh, you know, the outward appearance. And I listen, I believe fellas ought to get their hair cut. The Bible says shame for a man to have long hair. I, I believe we ought to change our dress. Got no business dressing and looking like the world. But, but what about those inward things of the heart? Uh, that old covetousness. And greed. You know what I've noticed about that? It'll keep a fellow from giving God his pocketbook. Yeah. By the way, can I say this? God wants your pocketbook. <laughs> Breathe easy. It's all right. Yeah, He wants your pocketbook. He, he wants you to, he, he said it real plain. He said, I. Give. And it shall be given unto you. Amen. In other words, you ain't going to outgive God, but He wants you to give first. Well, I don't know. Let me stop and think. Did He give anything yet? Maybe He did. Maybe He gave His Son to die. Man. Huh. That'll covetousness and greed will keep us from giving it. Our pocketbook. What about them old soap operas? I'm meddling this morning. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) What what is it? As the world turns. My preacher, you say, as the stomach turns. (laughs) It made him sick. I I, I remember I watched them when I was a kid. You forgive me. I did. I watched them when I was in my 20s. General Hospital. <laughs> Some of y'all laugh because y'all know y'all been watching the General Hospital. Mm-hmm. Huh? Guiding light. What are you doing watching those things? 
By the way, prime time TV about seven o'clock at night's even worse than those things nowadays. We're to be clothed with righteousness. Now what if the neighbor comes by? Your old TVs are cussing at him over there. Huh? I thought it said something about I'll set no wicked thing before my night. Now listen, I, I watch TV. I do. We, we have a TV in our fifth wheel. That's what we live in. Many of you remember. We don't have cable and stuff. We just got an antenna that rolls up. I love Gilligan's Island. <laughs> You forgive me. Miss Kitty's wicked. She needs to get saved, but I watch gun smoke. I wish they quit all their drinking on that thing. But I'm telling you, some of the things that come across TV today is flat embarrassing. It's vile and wicked. And as Christians, we're to be righteous. You got no business watching that kind of stuff. It just feeds the old lust of the flesh. Huh? It not be. See, that, the habitation now within of salvation, but can I say the habitation of righteousness ought to be on us too. We ought to be clothed with Righteousness. Listen, we were, again, listen to me. This world is in need of Christians that are real and that somebody can watch and say, man, you know what? That guy is practicing what he preaches. I mean, even when he gets angry, he's not cussing at his wife, not beating on her. She's not throwing frying pans at him. I don't know about y'all, but I, I'm not for a frying pan flying across the kitchen. I'm for it standing right there on the burner where it belongs. I remember I had an uncle that, uh, that he stayed out all night. He got home the next morning. It's my dad's oldest brother. This is back in the 50s. He got home. Mama, that's what we call him. Mama met him with the black skin. He walked in the house. Bang! <laughs> that's exactly what he did. He jumped. Down he went. My dad and him laughed. They tell that story forever. How Uncle Terry hit the floor when Mama hit him with that black skin. <laughs> There was no righteousness in Uncle Terry at all. Mama was trying to straighten that out. Listen, that's not how we ought to be acting. Amen? It's a Clothed with righteousness. And right actions, right attitudes. Now, I'm not saying, let's be honest, I don't find it easy all the time. My old flesh likes reacting. It's not easy when I think my wife says something that I don't like and I keep my mouth shut. (laughs) 
you and I both know, reacting out of the flesh is wrong. It does not show the righteousness of God. And folks, you listen to me. We got folks that watching us. You know the day that you told somebody you got saved, they got out their spiritual magnifying glass and started watching you. The Bible says his priest. Now that it's his habitation, his priest should be clothed with righteousness. Let's look at the end of verse 7 there. I believe it is, though. Or verse 9, excuse me. He says this, Let thy priests be clothed with righteousness, and let thy saints shout for joy. Let thy saints shout for joy. Listen, not only should salvation bring a desire for righteousness. Remember, it says this in Romans 10.10, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. We're to turn from sin to righteousness. But now he says also, listen, the truth is, his saints ought to shout for joy. We ought to be a people that's full of joy. I find in our travels far too many times, most Christians lost their joy. That they, they've let the the afflictions of life steal their joy. Can I remind you today? God never said you get saved and everything's going to be all right. He did say this: it's going to rain on the just and the unjust. He said this, remember, we sing that little song, the wise man built his house upon the rock, the rains came tumbling down, the rains came down, the floods came up. That's the wise fellow. I mean, the storms came and blew both on the wise man's life and the foolish man's. Doesn't matter if you're saved or not, I'm telling you, the storms of life are coming. There's no reason to allow the storms to steal our joy. Far too many times things happen in life and this is what Christians do. They blame God and they get bitter. God, why don't you let that happen? We never verbalize that. But right here, right here, that's what we think. Why did my children go off that way? God, why, why did my husband do this? Why did my wife say that? We let old bitterness steal our joy. When the truth is, can I remind you just of a few things? You've been forgiven. You're totally clean and right with God. And you're headed for heaven. That ought to keep a little joy in our heart. Amen. I, I like that. What was the chorus there, Brother DC? Yeah. Heaven sounds sweeter all the time. Sweeter all the time. Man, if we just keep our minds up yonder instead of on me. 
you stop and think? Got a God that will hear and answer prayer? I mean, how many of y'all have ever had? I mean, you got in some kind of situation and God came through for you. Anybody like that in here? Huh? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Well, we remind ourselves of that. Isn't it, isn't it amazing? Let's be honest. We forget those good times that God got us through, and we remember the bad times released. I mean, when I, I remember things. I, I look back. I remember when I was in Bible college. I, I remember one time I had no groceries. I had one box uh, of crack macaroni and cheese in, in the uh, 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 cabinet. That's all I had. And it, 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 y'all, I think it was crack. It was that kind that is that powdered cheese. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> it wasn't the good stuff, you know, that, that got the cheese in the package, you know, there that you carry. And that, that's all right. But, but that powdered stuff. <laughs> that's all I had. Couldn't pay the rent or the electricity. Here, I'm a Bible college student. God, I, I'm trying to live for you. I'm trying to do right. God, why, why am I going through this? I remember getting on my knees at my couch that morning, this Sunday morning. I mean, God had a little rounding round. I'm going to get mad at it. I'm trying to do right, and you're not helping me. Stupid thing to say. I got to church that morning, and there's a fellow named Billy Lane. Remember Billy? Billy Lane. He drove a big Cadillac, wore a cowboy hat. I'm from Texas. I got out of the car that morning, and Billy hollered, Scott! He said, God just told me to give this to you. And he handed me an envelope and walked on. This back in the mid 80s. Five $100 bills in that envelope. You think I don't look back at that with joy? And in my stupidity, I was mad at God. Why are you letting me go through? And God said, Hold it just a minute. <laughs> Let me show you something. One hundred dollar bill. That's a lot of money, guy. Yeah, that's still a lot of money. God <laughs> did that. And all of us could recount situations like that. Time and again, where God just came through. And it seemed like He wasn't on our time schedule, like He called with it, had Him take care of a long time ago. But just in time, he came through. Why is it we forget those things so easy and lose our joy? When the truth is, he said, look, I, I want my, my saints to shout for joy. Now, you forgive me. I, I've been down south most of my life. And uh, I come up north, and I sing out. I just y'all heard me this morning. I I sing out. We're singing when we all get to heaven. We'll sing at shout. 
the victory. That's, that's the way I sing that song. I shout when I say shout. And I wonder why I love North. Folks are so quiet sometimes. Right? I, I, I've heard, this is what I've been told. We're, we're, we're just not like that. I noticed it the football game though. Are y'all Bears fans or Cardinal any Cardinals fans in here right now? Huh? No. What about uh, Kansas City Royals? No. Huh? Listen, when the Texans are playing now, I don't like the Cowboys. But when the Houston Texans are playing, I know how to shout. My wife will leave the room. She said, they cannot hear you. I want them to hear me. And I think they can. And I'm trying to cheer them up. And I've noticed northerners are like that about their teams too. But we ain't like that with God. What's wrong with this picture? Listen, you want to get the preacher excited, say amen. 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 Huh? You know what that, that's like saying a signal to a bulldog. <laughs> the preacher just I mean he gets excited then. I mean somebody somebody said amen. He was already, you know, he's let's go to Oh, 
And I want that kind of joy here too. It's not just reserved for over yonder. It ought to be here. Our homes ought to be a place of joy. Hey, let's be honest. It ought to be a retreat from this old wicked world. A place where we can go home and ain't a bunch of fussing and fighting. You're welcome. Amen. That stuff, hey, that's reserved for the lost crowd. Our homes ought to be one full of joy and peace. It ought to be a place where we can come and have a retreat from the world. Sad when Christians' homes just like the lost folks' homes. All the fussing and fighting and carrying on. Brothers and sisters, I remember I, I, man, I had three older sisters. Talk about ungodly. I mean, that, that should not have been. They thought I was their doll or someone dressed me up. I ain't playing dress up with you. Are you crazy? That's right, they put on makeup. I'll bust you in the nose. I'll play makeup, play makeup with each other. We fuss and fight just like the lost crowd. And I was raised in a Christian home. Please let me implore you. Don't let your home be like that. Don't let your life be like that. Be one where you're shouting for joy. Man, and the storms are coming. The rough times are coming. Amen? They're going to come. But let's remember who we are and whose we are. We're child of the king. And we got a home coming that's greater than anything this thing ever had. The saints ought to shout for joy. Can I say the habitation of salvation within? The habitation of righteousness. And the habitation. Let's stand our feet. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Can I ask you first this morning? We was talking about that habitation of righteousness and enjoy. You listen to me. You cannot have those until you have the habitation within of salvation. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior? Is He real in your life? I mean, can you look back? You know there's a time when you trusted Him as your Savior. If that's your testimony, would you just lift your hand? Preacher, I'm saved. No doubt about it. If I die today, I know without a doubt I'm going to heaven. If that's your testimony, would you just lift your hand? You can put them down. Thank you. Now let me ask you this. Is there anybody this morning that would say, Preacher, I'm not sure if I died right now I'd go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. And you'd let me pray for you. Is there anybody like that? You just lift your hand. Preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. Would you pray for me? Would you just lift your hand quickly? Just up and right back down. I'll pray for you this morning. not going to come to you. not going to embarrass you. But I do want to pray for you. Is there anybody like that this morning? 
Alright, Christian, let me ask you. What about the righteousness of God? Do others see it in your life? Is there an outward manifestation of your salvation through righteousness? Have you allowed God to work in your life to change you? And is there a joy and a peace in your life? Or are you missing that? I don't know how God used the message this morning. But Christian, I'm begging you this morning. If the righteousness of God is not there and the joy and peace of God's not there like it ought to be, won't you come to the altar this morning and ask God to help you? That you want those things in your life. As He habitates within you through salvation, that you'd also see that habitation of righteousness and joy in your life. If God spoke to your heart, I'm going to pray. And we're going to have a verse of invitation. The piano play. It'll be opportunity for you to come. If you need to be saved, I'll meet you down front. We'll take the Bible, show you how to be saved. If you just need to talk with God, the altar's open. Whatever it is you need to do, we're going to pray and then give the invitation. Father, please, Holy Spirit, work in hearts this morning. You you know the lives and you know the needs of each life. Lord, far too many times in our lives we're missing the joy and the peace within and without. We're missing the righteousness of God without. God, I pray again, if there's someone here not saved, God, let them fall under conviction this morning and admit their need for a Savior and come and be saved. Please, Holy Spirit, as the invitation is given, you speak to hearts. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.